Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Uh, Holy Spirit, we do just invite you, even as my wife Mandy prayed, you are the Spirit of truth. And so Holy Spirit, come and lead us into truth tonight specifically in regard to your plan for Jerusalem, Israel, and the Jewish people. Lord, we know it says in the Psalms that the Israelites are a people dear to you. They are a people that are near to your heart, dear to your heart, and we want that heart. And we want to know uh, this, this mystery Paul spoke of, this glorious master plan involving Jew and Gentile. And so teach us, Holy Spirit, lead us into biblical truth and help me to communicate. Uh, I just humble myself. I put myself before you and just say, help me and help us to hear what you would say tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we jump in, just real quick, <clears throat> excuse me, I have under number two on the first page there, just a bunch of facts about the Jewish people, because some are more versed and others are not. But there are, in the world today, 15 million Jews. Worldwide, that's the number. Seven to seven and a half live in Israel, and seven to seven and a half live in America. In fact, there is a higher concentration of Jewish people in, Ameri in some American cities than in Israeli cities, which is staggering if you think about it. The highest concentration of Jewish people in the earth is not Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. It's Brooklyn, New York City. And so there is this link, in, in my opinion, there's this clear link between America and Israel. God has this interwoven purpose that I don't think we fully appreciate um, and there is a Jewish community right here in central Illinois. In fact, I spoke to Rabbi Brenna, who is the rabbi of the, the largest Jewish congregation in our city. I spoke to her this week. She's going to come share with uh, pastors and leaders in a couple months. Uh, she's going to be in Israel uh, for uh, the next few meetings we have. But, but she's going to come speak to us and help us just understand more. Uh, so it's just, it's neat. We're, we're, Developing friendships and, um, you know, the reason I bring this up is people, we talk about Israel and some people think of ancient Israel only or they think of the modern state of Israel, but they don't think in our own neighborhood there's Jewish people living in our neighborhoods. Um, they're in our families. I have Jewish people in my family, in my extended family, um, and they live, we work with them. And so it's not like those people out there, they're right among us. And they're very dear to the Lord because of the patriarchs, because of the covenants. They're as in covenant with God as Moses, Abraham, Jacob, you know, all the way down the line. And so it's just important to put those pieces together. 
also important to know is that the number of Messianic Jews is about 350,000 globally. It's a very small number. So the total Jewish population in the earth, 15 million, is represents 0.02% of the global population. And, and this isn't going to be the entire message. So if this bores you, we'll get to the actual Bible. Um, but so the, the Jewish population today, 0.02% of 8 billion people. And yet God goes, this little people, I love them so much. I have never forgotten my covenant promises with their forefathers. I have never given up on this people, even though they are the you know 0.02% of all people. Oh, I love them dearly, and they're a part of my plan for the salvation of the world. Um, and and with with saying that of those fifteen million three hundred and fifty thousand know Jesus, so. A huge percentage do not yet know the Lord. And, and of that huge percentage, most of them are very ideologically liberal. So if you meet a Jewish person, chances are they're very liberal. And so sometimes it's just good to know that so you're not shocked that they're not like an Orthodox rabbi or something. There are some very small percentages of super, super Orthodox Jews, but most of them... For example, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, he started Facebook. He is Jewish, and he, he may be more devout than we know, but, but many, many Jewish people that we would hear of today are ideologically liberal. And so just if you, just, it's just good to know some facts like that. Uh, if you were to meet a Messianic Jew, um, that's a very rare occurrence. And so if you, if you run into one, it's like, whoa, you're, oh, you're like, Wow, <laughs> super cool. Uh, one of the most well-known is Dr. Michael Brown. Now, everybody knows Dr. My Michael Brown is one of the foremost apologists um, and happens to be a, a Messianic Jew. And so he is one of 350,000 people on the whole earth, which is pretty neat. And so, but Jesus, what he's saying is the 350,000 is going to be 15 million if it just happened today. Jesus is going to move on the Jewish people where they are all going to accept their Messiah, which is stunning. And, and, and uh, so the title of the message tonight, all Israel will be saved. This is Paul's statement under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. All Israel will be saved. And understanding this glorious mystery is what we're going to kind of venture into tonight. So we're going to kind of start with that. And then we're going to go to uh, some scripture. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Okay. So flip over. That was all just introduction. Flip over to, I'm going to say page five-ish. It starts with understanding the mystery related to the salvation of Israel. I don't think there's page numbers. I never have that many notes, so I need to start putting page numbers on here apparently, but, but num Roman numeral five, understanding the mystery related to the salvation of Israel. Thank you for coming. Are we good? Renee. Renee, come on. Come on. All right. Help me. So we're going to do this. We're a, we're a family. We're going to do this. 
Romans 9 through 12. So Romans chapter 9, 10, 11, and 12 is probably the clearest biblical truth on the plan of God for Israel. And for, 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 for the Israelites, for Jew and Gentile to become saved, Paul develops that plan in these four chapters, 9, 10, 11, 12, yeah, four chapters, got my math right. Probably at this, those four chapters, there's no other place in the Bible where it's just this clear, this, this compact together. And so this is to understand just where the Lord is taking it and where, where, where kind of God is taking it to, to the point where Paul says all Israel will be saved, like we just talked about all the Jewish people on earth and, 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 and understanding that. Let's say the Lord comes back later this year. The number would be 15 million. But if he tarries a few years or a few decades, it, it may be 20 million. Amen. Well, let's, let's wait to, let's wait to the end for questions. All right, sister. And again, next week we're going to kind of break down more of what it means all Israel being saved. We're going to we're going to look at the implications of that because that's not just, you know, it 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 means them coming to know the Lord, but it also means all kinds of things. And so that will be next week. But this week I want to get into I want to get into just breaking down some key insights from each one of these chapters, and I, I'm going to blitz through these so please forgive me number one before we just launch into romans 9 10 11 12 it's important to know paul is writing romans 9 10 11 12 to the roman church obviously this is a gentile church okay so rome the roman empire most powerful empire on the earth at the time and rome is the capital the most influential city in the earth about a million people biggest city in the world Okay, so he's writing a letter to this people in particular. Okay, the Gentile, predominantly Gentile church in the biggest city of the most influential empire on earth. And the tendency would be, hey, we're saved. Why do we need Israel? Why do we need the Jewish people? Why do we need all that? And Paul's going, there's a lot you need to learn about the gospel and how interwoven into God's grand master plan is this heart for both Jew and Gentile. So he's basically saying, predominantly Gentile Roman church, don't become arrogant because God chose you to be saved. This is all part of a bigger plan. Amen. And so, amen. amen. So we just, it's good to know the audience, and there's more there if you want to read on that. Just who he was writing to. Yes, yes. I put here just quickly letter D. Oh, oh, Mandy, can you get her the? Thank you, thank you. Come on. I, I, I put here just. If you're wanting to learn more of this, just a very simple prayer to pray. God, give me your love for your people and your plan. I've been praying this over and over. God, I want to have your heart and your love for the Jewish people and Gentiles, but I want to I want to just I want to love your plan. I want to love what you're planning to do. I don't want to just have my own plan or my own thinking of how things should be or play out. 
things are going to play out in a particular way. And God, God gives us much insight. And we want to not just kind of grade against it, like, I don't know, I don't like that. We want to accept what he has said he's going to do. Romans chapter 9. I think this is, I put here the uh, Roman numeral number 6, the best place to start to understanding these four chapters is just with the first five verses. We get a heart. We get a heart, a sense of what Paul is saying here. Uh, Paul says this. He, he begins to, I mean, all of Romans six, uh, 1 through 16 is really good, uh, obviously. I mean, if you can write Romans, you're at another level. But when he starts to, okay, I'm going to zero in on, you know, why did God, you know, have this plan for, for Jew and Gentile? He starts to zero in on it in, in chapter 9. But he starts with this. He says this. I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. He's, he's, I think it's funny. He says it. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. Wait, I was I, just going to He's saying that. He's saying that. Excuse me. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. He says, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, uh, who are Israelites. So, so I think this is interesting. Paul is saying here, I love the Jewish people so much. I wish that if somehow my being unsaved could mean them being saved, I would do that. And that's just a strange statement. Like, why would you? Paul is saying, if I could be cursed so that they would be blessed. In other words, if I could be unsaved so that they could be saved, I would do that. And, and then the Holy Spirit says, that's true. He really means that. I'm going to put that in the Bible. And so the only reason I say that is because Paul had this unusual love for the Jewish people. And he just, I think sometimes this is what I mean. We, we approach this topic of Israel theologically or academically or cerebrally instead of with a heart of love. And Paul is, he's giving us some incredible theology here. But it wasn't just mental. It wasn't just cerebral. He really loved these people. And, and that was my message last week. If we have a heart for Jew and Gentile, if we have a heart for the Jewish people, it will guide our theology that much clearer. And so we have to be uh, just aware of that. I think that's important to point out. What's up, brother? Welcome. We have some... <laughs> Can we get notes for the man who just walked in? Okay. Paul has this. Come on, thank you. Okay, so that was my, that was just, if you want to understand what Paul calls the mystery involving Jew and Gentile in the gospel narrative, he starts with, I constantly have sorrow and grief and it's like, Paul, that's, that's got to be a little hyped up and fake. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, actually, it's real. I put it in the Bible. It's Romans 9, 1 through 5. And so just as Jesus looked at Jerusalem and wept 
were kind of like, well, that's a little extreme. Why, you just look at Jerusalem and you weep? And so there's this love that we can have that Jesus tapped into and Paul did, but we're just kind of missing. And that that's why I think we walk around kind of totally unaware of the narrative at all and why it's so important to focus on just because their heart was so yoked to the heart of God. Um, and so... The, the whole subject of Israel and Jew and Gentile and the gospel narrative, it, it, it mostly is growing in love is the main issue. And if we grow in, in love, like having God's heart, then God's loving heart will then uh, will be directed to the things he loves, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. Point number one, really, I'm sorry, I got letters and Roman numerals and dots everywhere, so just please bear with me. Um, and, and Matt, we're somewhere on uh, an unmarked page. I don't have page numbers, but under key insights in Romans 9, the second bullet, this is really point number one, is that Israel has been elected by God. God had to start somewhere, and so he started with the nation of Israel. Amen. He started with the Jewish people. Thank you. And that is just how it is. And there's going to be no change to that plan forever. And so the election of Israel, that's kind of a theological term, election. But Israel and the Jewish people have been chosen. And they have even, according to Romans uh, 1.16, they've even been prioritized in the gospel narrative. Paul says that the gospel is for the Jew first, then the Gentile. And so the gospel was preached to the Jewish people, and they rejected it. And so what does God do? And not every Jew rejected it. Obviously, many of the apostles were Jewish. But and in a whole, most of the Jews said, eh, not the Messiah. Let's put him on a cross. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of this guy. And so they did, not knowing that that was the Son of God who would be resurrected and sit at the right hand of power and one day come again. They had no clue. They were blind to that. And this is what Paul's explaining in Romans 9. So they've been elected. They've been chosen. They've been even prioritized. And that's, that's important to understand. This is what Paul's talking to Romans about. So they're elected, but then there's this piece called the unbelief of Israel. Israel, Jesus steps onto the scene. We know what he says. He, he, like I said earlier, he weeps over Jerusalem. Oh, if only you would have known this was your hour. This was your time. But, but blindness came in part. And it was all part of a plan. So don't, don't, I, as I'm sharing this, you'll see this on the notes a lot. There's only plan A. There's not like, oh, God failed. The Jews rejected him. Plan B, come. It's all plan A. It's just that we didn't understand plan A very well. It's It's been in the scriptures all along. It's just we didn't really connect to it. But we're looking kind of in hindsight going, oh, there it was. And so Israel's elected. The gospel goes first to the Jewish culture, most rejected, the vast majority. They put Jesus on a cross. And so God says, Israel has been unbelieving toward my Messiah. Israel has rejected their Messiah. And so they've experienced what Paul called a, they stumbled. Romans 9.32, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. 
in, in our American lingo, we would say God gave them the football and a handoff, and they fumbled it. They were supposed to do something. The Jewish culture was supposed to take that gospel to the nations. The, every one of them was to be saved and just to, just blitz the earth with this fiery gospel. And only a few of them responded. And so they kind of fumbled it. And so, exactly. And so, it, it, again, in the sense, you know, in, in, in the one sense, uh, bear with me here, it was like God was saying, hey, this is it. Your Messiah is here. Receive him knowing what was going to happen, though. And since they didn't, God goes, I got more of a plan here. Again, not plan B. It's not like, ooh, I failed at that. Let's go, because let's see if this works. Gentiles, come on, get into the picture here. No, it's all plan A, okay? God's going to get this thing working. But now he says, okay, you reject me, Israel. Let's go get some Gentiles. Let's see what happens. And so he, he, uh, he, brings the gospel now to the Gentiles. And this is, again, Paul's explaining this to a Gentile church. And so that brings us to Romans 10. So we set up, there's an election, there's an unbelief. Romans 10, Paul goes, I just want to remind you, here's, here's my heart. Okay, remember in Romans 9 when I said, oh, I've got this pain and this anguish. Well, let me just double down in Romans 10. In case you think I just got too theological and too heady and too cerebral, he goes, I just want you to know, I am praying for Israel. This is not a theological point to me. He said, I am, my heart is desirous. I am praying for Israel to be saved. That's what Paul says in Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer. It's going to take prayer to get Israel saved. And Paul modeled it in this verse. Paul called people to it. He says, if you want the, 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 the Jewish people walking into their destiny in God, it's going to take prayer. And then he goes on to explain a few things. You know, oh, I love these people. I want them to know Jesus. I'm praying for them because, uh, why? Um, he said, I bear them witness. They do have zeal for God, but not according to, to knowledge, not according to, to biblical knowledge, not, they're missing some things. They're, they're ignorant of God's righteousness in Christ is the idea. And they're seeking to establish their own righteousness by observing the law. And so they, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. Uh, and then Paul makes this, oh my goodness, this is radical. This is so radical. He says, he says, for Christ is the end of the law. Oh. Oh my goodness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The best way that we understand that is Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so what Paul comes out and says is, Jewish people, you've been elected. The gospel came to you. And it's because what God ultimately wanted was not you doing all these rules to get your righteousness but to believe in someone who fully did those rules and lived it perfectly. And it's faith in that person that actually, who, who did live the law perfectly, that's what pleases God. And they're all going, what? That is, that, this can't be right. We reject that. Paul's going, that's actually the real plan. Christ is the fulfillment. He did it. And what he did on the cross satisfied God. So now your work 
is to believe in that man who, who did all that for you. And that man on the cross will take away your sins if you put your faith and trust in him. That is crazy. So this relation, um, this, uh, this concept of Jesus fulfilling the law of Moses, that if you're a Jewish person in that day, that's just absolutely ludicrous. That's blasphemy. That, that's crazy talk. And so it, it makes sense if you have an unrenewed you know, mind, if you're just the typical run-of-the-mill Jewish person trying to you know, do the law of Moses and, and get all these rules obeyed and all that. It just, it's like it comes out in left field. And so, of course, they do reject it. We know that story. Excuse me. This is why Romans 9.33, just going back a chapter, this is why Jesus is referred to as a stumbling stone. It's, it's one of the reasons. Uh, he, he, it's like the, the Jewish culture, the Jewish people were walking in this direction, you know, trying to obey God. And, oh, what was that? Well, that, that was your Messiah. <laughs> that was, you were supposed to put your faith and trust in him, but it didn't look like what you were thinking. And so you just kind of, you know, stumbled over that. And, and because it just, it was just not what they were imagining at all. And so he, they stumble. Now, I mean, let me just, Say this again, the, the way to obey the law of Moses in a way that fully pleases God. There are, there are Jews on the earth today still trying to do this. Many of them. Many very conservative that are like, if I just, okay, if I, okay, what did Moses say there? What, okay, and there's like a thousand rules. And they, they just, if they just do them all perfectly, they're hoping that, that they have favor with God. I mean, Paul is the premier example. Well, he wasn't, he was Saul at first and he stayed Saul, but he got another name. You guys know that story. But, but Paul said, I, I was blameless. I did, I did everything I knew to do. I mean, I'm, in, in terms of being a law abiding person, Paul says, I did it. And, but Paul goes, but I know that's, that's not, that doesn't get me righteousness. That just did, did nothing. He goes, I, Paul's saying, what I know now is it was the, my faith in this man who completely satisfied God's requirement. Just The gospel is just, it's, it's perplexing and amazing at the same time. It's like, what? Huh? But wow, thank you. And however you and I got involved in this, it is a miracle. I mean, because I remember, you remember the, the moment where like the lights came on and you're like, okay, I, I'm in. Like that was a miracle. Because it just shouldn't make sense, but it made sense. The Holy Spirit just kind of went, Doop, and, it, and the lights came on. So again, this is a difficult development for many Jews to grasp, and so they reject it. And ultimately, the Jewish people reject their Messiah because they did not recognize it was him. And they were blinded, it says in uh, Romans 11, but it was only for a time. It was not permanently. Some go too far, and we're going to touch on this. They, they completely erase Israel out of the gospel narrative because they, they misread some scriptures, but it was a temporary blinding. It was a, it was a temporary stumbling. And so that's an important uh, concept. Before we go into Romans 11, uh, let me point out this bullet here right before uh, Roman numeral 8. 
um, this is important to point out, but both Jew and Gentile equally need Jesus. There's no, you know, even though there is like this gospel priority to the Jew first, that the, there's no special favoritism. There's no like, okay, Gentiles are up here and Jews are, yeah. they, everybody needs Jesus equally. So that's, I think some people kind of confuse that. Like, are there, is there a little bit of special favor? Like, there's a history, there's covenants, there's that. But Paul clears this up in Romans 9 through 12. He goes, basically, because of their history with God, they're beloved. But because of where they stand in the gospel, they're your enemies. You need to actually present the gospel and war for them to come to know Jesus. So they're, they're like enemies that are loved. And so Paul, he, he does both of that. And, and so we need to understand that. It's like, okay, they're loved or what? Huh? Paul says they're both. Okay, so that's important to understand. Um, as we get into Romans 11, Paul throws out this word mystery. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. And mystery is a mysterious word. Like, why would you throw that out there? But it gets used one or two times in these chapters. And, and I want us to understand mystery is not meaning here that only like two people on earth can figure it out. It's so mysterious, only David Souter can get it. And the rest of us are just going to spend our you know, life and like, oh, we can't get <laughs> he, he taught me all this, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, but because some people, they do have kind of this Gnostic view of truth in general. And it's like, okay, there's a select few pastors who can get things and the rest of us have to go to, you know, and the, the reality is it's not a mystery in the sense of a few people can grasp it. It's just it's so unique and it's so out of what we would do that it's it's a mystery to us, to, to anyone, because it's it's God logic. It's not human logic. Right. And so when 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 God says, here's how I'm going to save the world, I'm going to start way back here thousands of years ago. I'm going to lead Israel through all these things. And then there's going to be this gospel and there's but a Jew first and then Gentile. They're going to reject and then Gentile. We would just skip all that and just kind of snap our finger and everybody's saved. But God goes, no, I've got this super long, wise plan involving people groups and I just do things different, and that's why it's a mystery, because we just would not think of it. And God goes, eh, that's the point. I, I, there's all kinds of trap doors and humbling things and stumbling stones to, to humble the human heart to receive Christ. And so he just he figured it all out, and we're catching up. So that's the sense of it being a mystery. It's not like we can't, but it's just unique. Okay, Romans 11, we're going to kind of start to land the plane here. Romans 11, um, and when I say land the plane, we might just not land it. <laughs> um, we got a little bit of a late start, so I'll, I'll take some liberty, but 10 or 15 minutes, I'd say. Um, Romans 11, this is so clear. Um, I say then, has God cast away his people? In other words, has he permanently rejected Israel? He answers his own question. He says, no, certainly not. Uh, for, for I'm an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. If God has permanently rejected Israel, how am I saved, says Paul. 
So Paul's like, no, he hasn't. I'm, I stand here as a trophy of God's grace and mercy. There's no way I'd be in if God rejected the Israelite people. Uh, so of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know? He goes on to tell a story about Elijah that I'm still trying to understand. But, you know, that's Paul. <laughs> Paul says, to prove this point, I'm going to tell a story that you will not understand. <laughs> it's like, come on, Paul. What? Okay. Um, but Paul does make it clear that Israel has not been permanently cast away from God's purposes. Um, and he makes that clear. It's a temporary stumbling. It's a, it's a temporary blindness. Um, and actually... It, it, the plan is that even that temporary stumbling and blindness would cause eventually them to receive Christ. And again, he's figured it all out. He knows all the different levers he's got to pull to get everybody to receive Christ. Now, I have here, uh, there's a popular concept today called replacement theology. Um, it's also referred to as supersessionism or fulfillment theology. Um, and, and it's popular today and, and it's taught widely and I'm not trying to step on toes or, you know, be mean or anything, but, but, uh, and, and essentially what the, what the idea is, is that now that we're saved as Gentile Christians, we've taken the place of God's covenants and God's plan and we have superseded the Jewish people. We have been superimposed into that narrative and I just, I, I, I want to say my position is that God has not replaced Israel with the church. They are complementary. They are, the, the Gentile church is going to provoke the Jewish people and there's going to be this, um, you know, he's going to create this one new man out of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And that's, that's. Uh, those that's not on the notes, but um, I would just encourage you wherever you're at on this to just study it further. Um, I consider that a significant error, uh, replacement theology. Um, but I I didn't know what I believed when I was 20 or 25 or 30, and so if you're hearing this recording and you're like, I don't know what I believe, just search into it. Um, my job is to present what I believe is true. Um. And I think that just presenting the truth of the Bible eventually wins most people. And so I try to do that charitably. I try to do that uh, graciously and consistently. But some people are just, they'll never believe what Paul said here. And I, I don't understand that. Uh, to me, Romans 9 through 12 is very clear that, that there is a temporary falling away. There is a partial blindness but one day Israel is going to come back and receive their, their Messiah. Paul says it in a hundred different ways. All Israel is going to be saved one day. And we're going to talk about that specifically next week. What does that mean? I believe it means on a national level, the vast, vast majority of Jews will become Christian before Jesus comes again. And it, that's hard to believe for that if, if, Israel is kind of a mystical thing that is now the church. It's just hard to make sense of much of the scripture if if that's the belief system. Um, but again, there's, there's, there's so this whole subject is not on the radar of most people. So if it's like new, then just search into it. 
do a, you know, just kind of pour over Romans 9 through 12 a little bit. And trust the uh, the Lord to give you wisdom. Now, I've actually brought a prop tonight. I, I, I grew up Catholic, and, and my favorite priest, one of my favorites of all time, Deacon Don, would always preach with a prop. And I never forgot. So I've actually brought, this is not an olive tree branch, like it would be so sweet if we had olive trees growing in our cemetery behind our house. But So I did as, as best as I could. I got, uh, I might need help, Mandy. Can I have a little uh, wifey or maybe someone else because you're taking care of a uh, a three-year-old? But So I'm going to pretend um, one of these is Israel. Okay, who, who well, yeah, uh, David, maybe okay, you're going to hold Israel. You're spiritual. And uh, anybody want to not be? No. <laughs> well, they're both spiritual. We'll, we'll, we'll pretend these are the Gentiles. Um, we want to get you on camera though, so come in front. Uh, Matt, you want to hop up here, or Leah, or I don't know who's somebody. Uh, yeah, we don't want to deny uh, the wifey a chance here to. Um, and so I'm literally just going to do this. So this is just burned into our memory. And sometimes when you use a prop here, just take that from me. And so David, because you're David, so you, you know Israelite David. Um, God says, the gospel came to you, Jewish people, um, but you did not believe. And so I'm going to see if I can actually, um, I'm going to, I'm going to actually break that off. And uh, that's temporary blindness right there. So that's, that branch has been broken off of the plan for the Jewish people. And God goes, now I'm going to go over to this wild patch over here and I'm going to get I'm going to get these Gentiles, and I'm going to, uh, so he literally, God, Paul is saying this in Romans 11, he goes to the wild branch, and he says, I'm going to graft that into the plan. And so Gentile, now graft into the plan for the Jews, and that's, that Paul says, this is the way forward here. And then God says at the end of Romans 11, he says, if I could do that with the Gentiles and just graft them in, couldn't I just then just graft the Jewish people right back in? That literally is what he says. And Paul is essentially saying, that's where it's going. That's, that's the gospel. Just because they've been broken off through unbelief, and I included the Gentiles, the plan is ultimately to put that branch back in there and graft them in. So let's hear it for our, uh, our wild olive branch. Uh, yeah, woo! Payment coming later. <laughs> Yes, and so the lilacs, they, they, they've been destroyed, but they'll be redeemed one day on a new earth. Um, I want to just read Romans, now that you have a visual, I want to just read Romans eleven twenty-five very quickly. Uh, just going to blitz through, this is NIV, by the way. Um, Romans eleven twenty-five. where does it start there? Um, I just want to read quickly, just so we can hear from the Bible. Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening, in part, until the full, full number of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, Speaking of the Lord Jesus, he will turn godliness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. 
Then he says, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who are at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. And then Paul goes into, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him from, uh, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Okay, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. If you want more insight on the branch, kind of that whole thing, that's, that's the second half of Romans 11. He says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry. Um, uh, he, he says, uh, in some, if some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, uh, do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. It's a little complicated because he's talking about various plants and all that. But that's the, the key idea is a branch was broken off here, and one was taken off of this wild olive shoot and grafted in, and God just says, don't forget, just as easily as I grafted in those Gentiles, I can just easily re-graft in the Jewish people. Um, where does it say that specifically? It's somewhere, um, consider the kindness and sternness of God. Uh, I think it's verse 24. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? There it is right there. And so God says it was easy for me to graft in the wild Gentiles. I can easily graft in those who have fallen from the Jewish community. Let's wrap this up. Thank you for bearing with me. Some would say, well, why did you throw in Romans 12? Romans 12 is basically Paul saying, now that we've heard that, Romans 9, 10, and 11, this is your practical application. Some, transla some translations say those first couple verses. He says, I beseech you, brother, in view of the mercy of God. In other words, in view of what you just learned about God's mercy, and his plan to redeem Jew and Gentile, now go live holy and acceptable to God. Okay, Paul, how do I do that? And then he spends a whole chapter saying, if you're called to lead, do it diligently. If you're called to have mercy on people, be merciful. If you're called to be a giver, give generously. And, and Paul actually goes in Romans 12. It's like almost his Sermon on the Mount. He basically explains, here's the Jew and Gentile gospel narrative. In view of that, live holy. Understanding that, live acceptable to God. What I've just presented over here, these three chapters, now here's how you live it. It's such an amazing 
uh, insight. Uh, I'm not going to read it like I did uh, parts of 11. But just sometimes we read Romans 12 and we're like, that's good. But it's it's connected actually to the preceding verses, uh, preceding chapters. And um, I have here on this last bullet, on the very last page, Romans 12 and even the rest of Romans 13 to 16 could be thought of as what a faith community lives like when we grasp the the mercy of God to Jew and Gentile. It's what a gospel culture looks like when we understand the plan of God. When we understand what he's doing, when we're like, okay, we're not just random American Christians who got saved and we just hope to be kind of good Christians one day. God goes, okay, orient yourself to this plan. See that you're saved actually to provoke Israel to be saved because Israel has a calling that will impact the earth. And so that kind of leads us into what we're going to touch on next week is sort of the the so what. Okay, that's the plan. So what, Paul? What's your point? Paul goes, you don't understand. If Israel gets saved, that means Jesus is coming back. That means world revival. That means a new earth. That means things that you cannot conceive of. And, and, and Paul goes, if Israel falling away led to the Gentiles, nine, you know, in other words, the gospel going to 99.98% of the earth, imagine what's going to happen if they're raised from the dead. If, if the Jewish people are saved, in other words, if their faltering and stumbling was this much good to the Gentile world, what is it when they actually live in relationship with Jesus, their Messiah? It's going to go so much further than we're ever imagining right now. And that's what we want to explore next week is, okay, all Israel will be saved. What does that even look like? What does it look like for a nation that has this Jewish history receiving their Jewish king? And all of them functioning as priests, ministering to the Lord. Okay, I didn't plan that. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's settle down here. I don't know. I didn't want the worship team quite yet. I don't know why. (laughs) See, when Israel gets saved, worship just starts happening. Okay, right on cue, team. Uh, I just totally lost my place. But so anyway, next week we're gonna we're just gonna look at the implications of okay, Israel salvation. I get the plan now. What does it mean practically? Okay, we see Paul says okay, this is the application. But we want to almost begin to dream of the day when this happens, because Paul wasn't just saying this to have good commentaries written. He's really believing. I'm praying for all Israel to be saved because it's going to happen. Paul was convinced. He says earlier on, Romans 9 and 10, I'm praying for them to get saved. And then he skips ahead in a few chapters and just basically says, it's going to happen. All Israel will be saved. And and he says, by the way, you Gentiles have a part in provoking them to jealousy, in provoking them to going, wow, that is our Messiah. Oh my gosh, we missed it. And I want to talk about a lot of those things, but... But briefly, how do we provoke Israel? How do you provoke anyone to faith? Number one, you just love them. And one of the most practical aspects of loving someone, you just pray for them. And when the Jewish people see a whole world full of Gentile Christians crying out to God for them, praying for them, caring for them, 
listening to them, they're going to they're gonna come to faith. And so it's interconnected. And the more we know this plan, the more we can cooperate with what God's doing. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.